Uh, well, one of our greatest treats is when the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, joins us live in the studio. And uh, today the uh, the situation is that because of the uh, insane traffic and really the standstill situation that he's in right now <laughs> in one of the landmarks between New York and New Jersey, uh, we're going to have to conduct this conversation by phone. And uh, he'll owe us a visit because we love when he comes here and speaks with us uh, in depth about what's happening at Yeshiva University. Mr. President, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nahum. Actually, the traffic just started moving, <laughs> but uh, I've, I've been accused of uh, having tunnel vision, but this is a little uh, <laughs> uh, more than I had in mind. Well, with my commute of the last 30 years, people joke that the Holland Tunnel is my summer home, so enjoy it while you're visiting. <laughs> yeah, but don't you have the Nahum helicopter? I, w- I wish I did, frankly. There are many mornings I wish I did. So tell us. How is the Yeshiva University fencing team doing? The fencing team the fencing team is doing fine. Actually all of our teams are doing fine, but I'm surprised you're asking me about the fencing team and not the tennis team. Well, this is a uh the, the reason we start with fencing is the international news that was made when uh, wait, was it the fencing team which team was it that that got the uh the tennis team, right? You just mentioned it. I'm sorry. I, I'm getting my sports all confused. It was the tennis team. Tennis that... has a racket, and fencing is like an AP, <laughs> a, 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 a foil. Yes, I know the difference. I think I even know why I said fencing. But anyway, it's the tennis team that was given a historic dispensation, and a match was actually moved to accommodate the Shabbos. Yes, I think you sound more surprised than you should. I think by this time... In the United States, um, one of the things we should be proud of is that there really is a sensitivity toward religious accommodation. But this was the first time this issue came to the NCAA. What, uh, what happened, for those who don't know, is that, uh, that our tennis team won its Division Three uh, Skyline Conference Championship. And for the first time in history, Yeshiva University varsity team of any sport was invited to the NCAA National Tournament. We had been in touch with them about the uh, sensitivity to Shabbat, and uh, their answer of pretty forthrightly was that they have made accommodations for schools whose players did not want to play on Sunday, and therefore they have to do the same, and they're happy to do the same for us. Unbelievable. So, so look, the real headline to me is that we have scholar-athletes who are pursuing an incredibly full Torah and secular education, who have a great commitment to practice multiple days a week and are successful enough to be able to win a championship and go on to the NCAA. It is pretty- and I think it's a great thing. Yeah, it's just incredible and there and there's so much I mean the we know how seriously sports is taken in this country. So when you can go ahead and make a statement like the one that you just uh went ahead and described um, to this country about the importance of Shabbos or the importance of tradition, our heritage, etc. And you could do it in the sports venue. It's, it's just, it carries a tremendous amount of weight. And as you indicated, and, and as I mistakenly indicated, there are other sports as well uh, that Yeshiva University is represented in. Uh, and I, by the way, folks, I want to reference uh, a conversation I had with the athletic director of Yeshiva University, uh, Joe Bednarz, back on the 1st of May. If you search my website, you'll find it. We discussed just how important it is, this uh, representing both Yeshiva University and the Jewish people on the sports field. Uh, well, with that in mind, Mr. President, there has been a change in the uh, uh, basketball uh, coaching ranks at Yeshiva University. You know that we, and I believe you yourself as well, 
are big Johnny Halpert fans, but uh, Johnny has coached his last game as of this past season, and he is uh, moving on. And you have chosen, or at least a committee was established, to choose a new coach, and that's Elliot Steinmetz. What are your feelings about this transition? Well, it's it's uh, you know one of the one of the interesting aspects of being a president is to uh, uh, is to is to have the loyalty of uh, of wonderful professionals, but also to keep the vitality of uh, of, of of newness while we celebrate uh, long tenure. So after 42 years, uh, uh, Johnny Halpert is. Uh, uh, has has moved on. Please God, will always be a uh, an important part, not just of yeshiva history, but hopefully of uh, uh, of of of, uh, of yeshiva um, by his presence and by his healthy presence there. And uh, uh, we have gone through a, a process where, in fact, we had a wonderful search committee um, uh, uh, chaired by uh, by Shopsy Schreier, who many of you know, um, but including. Uh, uh, professionals, including students, including student athletes, uh, we had, believe it or not, I mean, this is a part-time job. We had over 200 um, applicants for this position, and I was not involved except at the end. And after a whole whittling down process that we did expeditiously, with great time invested by our lay leadership, we came down to three five. And uh, uh, I met the three, but I I didn't make the selection. I just wanted to make sure that we were in the ballpark. And uh, they chose Elliot Steinmetz, who, of course, is a name not unknown in uh, in New York, particularly high school basketball circles. Elliot was a uh, was a letterman, was part of the Maccabees uh, in his time at Yeshiva for three years. Right. Uh, he's gone on to coach both the Hebrew Academy of Nassau County uh, varsity and currently the North Shore Hebrew Academy varsity. Uh, he was the coach of the Maccabi uh, National Under 18 uh, team that competed in Israel, um, and. Uh, and he's a mensch of the first order and a bentor of the first order. And uh, this was, as you all know, all of you who are so invested in basketball, this is something of a passion. There's no question about that. And it, it's funny when you think about all the issues that, that you have to deal with and the issues in the Jewish world in general. You know, this is how we open the conversation, talking about sports. But But you can speak to the point of just how vital this whole sports scene is and and how important and even if there's not 5 600 fans in the stands every game like I wish there were just how important a uh, a venue the sports um uh the, the sports games are uh when it comes to Yeshiva University's reputation out there and uh the Jewish tradition's reputation it's really an important matter look it's also important pedagogically it's very important um, this is the place where students can understand that everybody has to make choices in life, but a full um, a participating life is so much not inconsistent with a commitment to Torah and mitzvahs. And in fact, it's another opportunity to be Makadesh Hashem, to, to, to honor God's name and everything. And yeshiva is the one place you go where there's not even a question as to whether you're going to have to make compromises. Um, and, uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and by the and way, look, the, tr- the truth of the matter is, no one is coming to yeshiva for the sole purpose of being a star athlete. <laughs> um, but by the same token, don't laugh so much. I mean, for somebody who's uh, six foot fourteen inches tall, shouldn't make jokes. Um, it's really a wonderful opportunity for a student not to have to sacrifice their, uh, uh, you know, their sports needs 
um, in order to be uh, involved in, in a vibrant university in our life. YU President Richard Joel is with us, and um, we could really extend uh, what you just said to every other arena that you're in charge of, because we, you know, the sports stories get the high-profile articles, and a lot of people talk about them, and it makes national news. But there are so many areas of life, law, medicine, and a million others that I can mention that you see on a daily basis, where, again, compromise does not have to be instituted, where accommodations are made, uh, where people who are from our community can feel comfortable in different types of environment, even if nobody else from the community is with them at the time. It's really an extension to every area of life, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, it's, it's part, you know, we talk about the concept in Hebrew of shlemut, which means wholeness or integrity. Um, I don't think there's a philosophy in Judaism that in any better way um, incorporates the notion of a life based on Torah and Torah values uh, with a mandate to use those values to embrace God's other wisdoms and to say that one of our roles is to be a light unto the nations by mattering in the world. And I think the experience at Yeshiva uh, does that. In fact, I had a meeting yesterday with a fairly tall, wonderful young man whose last name is Siegel, who I think is related to you by birth, um, who came in with a group of students because they had managed to get a uh, uh, an agreement from uh, the, the TED organization, which does these TED Talks. Right. And they got Yeshiva designated as a TEDx site, so they're running a whole TED conference uh, in the fall um, where there will be uh, different speakers giving their 15-minute uh, brilliant talks uh, that will be online as part of the world of TED. Right. Well, as I've told you many times, if not for the variety of what's offered at YU, and if not for the uh, different types of things, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. President Richard Joel is with us live via telephone. A week from today, we would not be able to speak because you'll be in final preparations for the big graduation ceremony, which I believe this year is taking place at the Meadowlands, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, at the IZOD Center. At the IZOD Center. And you know, every season, I know in radio we always do this. In fact, I said this to my staff uh, just the other day. I, I think there's... I think every season or every period of time has a certain definition or it ends up, you know, being, having a different theme. And, uh, and there's no doubt, especially when the economy had its problems a few years back. So the theme, unfortunately, coming from the campus, at least out there in the media, were the difficulties that you were facing financially up at YU and then the big lawsuit, which as far as I know is now over with. If uh, there's anything you want to say about it, you could tell us, but I think that that is now in the past as far as I know. How would we define, as you go to graduation next week, this past season, this past year at Yeshiva University? Oh, um, I think think it's a year... I think it's a year of opportunity and challenge. I think that uh, uh, education is a is a is a critical business, but in today's economy, it's a more and more challenging business. The 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 traditional model of higher education is not a valid business model. It's not a sustainable business model, and certainly not so when you have a rich environment like Yeshiva, where we do want to give all to the students, a a, a wonderful life environment, quality Torah. Um, uh, high quality academics, career preparation. It doesn't work. And especially with a, with a high level of scholarship support that we provide, um, to, uh, uh, to, to students who are in need, um, it just doesn't work. So I think what we were confronted with this year, and we're not the only university so confronted. In fact, it's going to be, once again, we're a leader. There are going to be more and more, uh, um, places uh, that do that 
is we have to look to see how we can reinvent our model so that we are um, uh, so that we're viable. I, I believe President Joel is actually in our building, so we'll give him a chance to, to come on up to the second floor and join us. This is pretty interesting. I don't recall too many interviews I've done that started on the phone, continued in the elevator, and then ended up live in our studio here at JM in the AM. Graduation up at YU, or I should say more accurately, at the IZOD Center is going to be happening a week from today. And um, Mazal Tov to all the graduates, of course. And um, for those of you who, again, have not heard my conversation with Athletic Director Joe Bednarsh, it happened back on May 1st during the Thursday live lunch. You could search it on my site at NahumSiegel.com. And we do address the importance of the basketball team and other teams and also speak about the transition in terms of the basketball team uh, and what is happening uh, up at Yeshiva University. President Joel, it's a, it's a pleasure to welcome you live in studio here at JM in the AM. Well, it's so nice to see you in the flesh, Nachavis. So if I had a panel of university presidents in front of me, mm-hmm. they would all say it's an unsustainable business model at this point, what you described as higher education in the United States right now? Look, even, even the, uh, uh, the incredibly endowed universities like, uh, like Harvard, um, are being incredibly um, analytical in looking at their expenses and in looking at uh, any kind of deficit, even if you have billions of dollars of, ende- of endowment. Uh, this is also happening in an environment where the social fabric of the country is changing in different ways, where the technological revolution is, is, is forcing us to ask questions about how young people learn, about how the learning experience is tied to the social and civilizational experience, um, and and how you use it for its full benefit. So online universities are a real threat. Well, I don't know what or threat that's the means. Wrong word, right? Yeah, I think that's the wrong word, and I I don't think the issue is online universities. I think the issue is how do we make sure that we are um, open to, to to new ways. I mean, look, most of our most of our students do most of their communication not even on cell phone, right. but through texting. Right. Uh, and I think there are opportunities in that. There are also severe challenges in terms of how there are relationships, how there's intimacy, what the depth of learning is, uh, the opportunities and the cost of multitasking. So I think that there is, um, there's much to be learned in terms of that. This is also happening, Nachum, in the backdrop of a, of a social situation where people worry about the cost of education. Mm -hmm. Uh, And frankly, I'll be partisan and say they worry about the cost of education, which is not minor, but in a way that they worry less about the cost of other um, activities in life which they consider non-negotiable. I'd I'd be betraying my own feelings if I didn't uh, remind people that there is nothing uh, that is amortized better and there's nothing that's more long-lasting and there's nothing that's more critical than the college years when people truly define who they are. Right. You know, there's some interesting news that we've been reading um, uh, recently about uh, lawsuits being brought by students against uh, many major universities claiming that the, uh, that the protections and the investigations that they have regarding sexual assault on campus is getting headlines. You know the Times right. has been covering it and the like. 
and uh, and I think it's important, and I think it's serious stuff. I I will tell you that uh, I got many phone calls when there was a list of 55 great universities that were being named in an investigation by the federal government, and the great news we made was that Yeshiva University was not one of them, and of course it wasn't one of them. I want to suggest that we're looking at the wrong headline. The headline is not that there are these heinous um, uh, lapses in how universities are addressing these assaults. I think what we have to think about a little bit is the culture that is creating a situation on campus where there is a uh, a situation where where sexual assault or sexual abuse uh, has become much more prevalent. Right. And and I think it speaks to what kind of a people we are and what kind of a community we are and what the role of education is. The challenge isn't so much, although I'm not diminishing it, is not about how universities deal with abuse on campus. The question is, what leads to this culture? And I want to suggest that it's a, it's a culture um, without deep and abiding values. It's a culture of no boundaries. It's a culture of casual intimacy. It's a culture, frankly, that runs very counter to a lot of how we in the Jewish community, and particularly in the Orthodox community, choose to live our lives. Right. I mean, this is happening, though, for, at this stage from birth, essentially. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, but I mean, kids and families are dealing with these issues from the time they're really, really youngsters and, and going through the ranks. I mean, well, this is everywhere at you this know, point. That's why when, uh, when people talk to me about the now-famous uh, or infamous Pew Report, right. and they talk about uh, all the lessons that one can learn, and there's defensiveness and triumphalism at the same time. Uh, to me, the answer is clear. To me, that what sustains us and what will sustain us is is education, is community, and is passion. And if you have those, there are limitless possibilities for how we get to strengthen ourselves as a community and influence the world at a time where those kind of values are hungered for. Right, but we'll probably see other institutions or other types of institutions going a different direction as society continues to be mired in what you described earlier. Yeah, I think that's part of the great challenge, and I have to put in an ad. I say that's why I think it's a, it's <laughs> right. a no-brainer. That's why everyone belongs the, to OIU, in no, your opinion. It, quite, quite seriously. No, not everyone. We're no, a mission, just, we're a, look, we're a mission-driven institution. And I'm not even joking about it, but okay. Yeah, yeah. we're a mission-driven institution. There are thousands and thousands of people out there who share that mission. If that mission is shared, right, then OIU is a no-brainer. Harvard doesn't compete with what YU right. offers. Correct. And in terms of affordability, it's a private university. I can't be asked how we compete with City University. It's talking not even apples and oranges. Um, but I do know that if people are willing to make the investment that they need to make, that Jewish parents and Jewish students have traditionally made, then we are prepared when there are people with need, when they're going to stretch, we're going to stretch equally hard to make it possible. All right, I don't get you in here as a guest often enough, so i got to get directly to this point, especially since we're a week before graduation, where, again, I think it's a time of reflection, and we're not going to be doing any formal State of the University conversation this summer, so I'd love to do that a little bit today. Um, forget my role as an alum, and forget my role as a parent and all that. As somebody who is concerned, that this thriving, incredible institution is vital to the future of the Jewish people. And I believe that. Anyone thinks I'm exaggerating. It's not an exaggeration. That is what I firmly believe. And I know there are a lot of people in this audience who share my belief and passion for that. Do we need to worry about the sustainability, about the future, 
about the financial stability of the university, about the uh, how do you address these issues with the board of directors and the board of trustees? Do they understand the role that those of means and maybe those not of so many means, including people like ourselves, have to make sure this institution continues? I think it's a great and important question, and it's valuable just to ask it. Um, uh, I, I want to answer. I want to answer this way. Uh, Yeshiva University will be here and will be strong when your grandchildren are coming. That's number one. It's very comforting. Num- number I'm two, serious. I've been told by people outside the Orthodox community that they recognize if you just pull YU away from the fabric of Jewish life, right? The fabric of Jewish life is deeply threatened, so there's no question about it. The challenge is how do we deal with the with the financial issues and with the issue of what are the deliverables in education that we must have. So there's no question that we that in growing we have to change. There's no question that we have been spending more than the money that we have available. And the problem isn't that we've been spending them on wasteful things. The problem is we've been spending them on things that are defining in terms of what we need. Right. We have been going through a very profound process of re-examining and looking at, at creative and positive ways to to provide the same product and the same environment um, in ways that are affordable. Uh, part of that is, uh, but but not the key part of it. Part of it is that philanthropy, which has been generous, has to be much more generous. Part of it is, as you said, every alum. I mean, so many of us give at least 10% of our income to charity. Make one of the annual gifts to be yeshiva. I have an alum who wants to start a move. Maybe we can do it here. That there should be a um, a, a pledge signed by by so many Jews and all alumni saying that among my top five charities annually is Yeshiva University. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we could count on that, it would be radically different. But I will also say we must look to deliver education in better and different and and, and more careful ways. And, and that means challenging all of our schools, reasserting the fact that the core of Yeshiva University, look, we're a research one university. Right? That's very important. More important is that we're a Torah one university. So we reassert the centrality and the core mission of our undergraduate schools, Yeshiva Sims and Stern, and our Yeshiva, the Rabbi Isaac Elchanan Theological Seminary. Those are core, right? And and they are core both in the learning we give our students and the manner in which that kind of gestalt um, is a presence in, in, in communities around the world. Yeah, well, nowhere uh, like Yeshiva University. Right, nowhere but here. Right, um, but, but our graduate and professional schools are also important, except the challenge there, as in many places, is that those schools have to be able to support themselves and be part of the entire support community of Yeshiva University. You know, those of us who grew up watching the financial crisis of the 70s and what Rabbi Lamb had to deal with, we always were under this impression, and I have no idea if this was accurate. I was a little kid. But we were always under the impression that there were financial superheroes who stepped in and got Yeshiva on great footing. And I, maybe we're just sitting here as spectators waiting for another financial superhero to swoop in and just get Yeshiva back where it needs to be financially. Look, I am more than, more than willing to celebrate um, uh, the $100 million gifts that I hope will come in. But uh, there's, an ex- there's an expression, don't trust in the princes. And I have to tell you that often the answer to a problem is not to throw money at it. It's to look at how we do what we do, like any good business does. And that means looking at questions about 
how we best deliver education, what the proper class sizes are, what courses and what departments need to be offered, how do we do interdisciplinary education, how do we use technology Latov for good, where is the use of blended courses and online courses even within campus, something that gives us more opportunity and better opportunity, how do we look at new Products, master's degrees that can be all, – all has to be of quality. Mm-hmm. But master's degrees and even online programs that will contribute to the world and will also, frankly, generate income. Uh, we're offering this year for the first time an online master's in Jewish education. There are educators in Australia and in South Africa and in South America and in England who could, and in the United States, who could very much benefit from those kind of programs. So a lot of what we're doing, it's, it's very proper. It's to look at every piece of Yeshiva University to restructure what we can. I also have to say, look, our staff is magnificent and wonderful, both faculty and administration. Uh, they received a salary increase this year. They hadn't for three years before. They probably won't again. This all can't be fixed on the backs of our employees. It has to be fixed by a shared commitment to, to, to pay the price that you need to pay, uh, to, to have your children be at Yeshiva University, for us to offer the kind of courses that are compelling. And by the way, to reassure parents that aside from all the civilizational benefits of YU, uh, I don't know a better place for a young person to prepare for a career in the professions or in business. Our sim school has come on like gangbusters. I just found out yesterday that right now we are up to four of our undergraduates who've been accepted at the Harvard Law School for next year. And Harvard, you know, it's not just Harvard. That's really endemic of the success of our academic advisement, of our career center. And let's be honest about the quality of the students that we have and the lifelong network that they form. So we will come out of this. It's going to take some time. Uh, we will come out of it reshaped, reformed, and reinvigorated. And I will tell you, the superstars are there. Our, our trustees are incredibly supportive, doing all that they can. But I will tell you, the superstars are the people who, who put $180 in an envelope and send it to me and say, we believe in what you're doing. Um, uh, it's an opportunity for all of us. And I hope in the next year we will be reaching out to the whole community for that kind of support. You're on a very tight schedule. Uh, we know that. Port Authority didn't know that, but we know that. Um, so a week from today is the big yes. celebration. It's nothing like graduation day. And obviously the highlight is the diplomas and watching everybody progress to the next level. You've had the experience with your own children, I'm sure. Uh, what will be, uh, I don't know, the keynote address, the special message for this year? What do you have scheduled sure. for a week from today? Well, actually, in about an hour and a half, the first of our graduations of the Wurzweiler mm. School of Social Work is happening. Mazal next, tov. Next week, look. Here, and we have some great social workers in our community because of Wurzweiler. Wonderful social yeah, workers. Defining social workers. Um, look, the big headline from our commencement is how many places are there where 5,000 Torah-observant, modern Orthodox Jews come together for the purpose of feeling good about themselves and celebrating and determining that the future is ours. That's number one. In terms of uh, the honors we're bestowing, I will tell you that our keynote speaker and honorary degree recipient is John Ruskay. Mm -hmm. Uh, John has spent the last, uh, I think, 17 years as the executive vice president of the New York Jewish Federation. I will tell you that he is one of our Jewish heroes. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of Jewish knowledge. He's a man of Jewish Jewish passion. He's a man of incredible personal comportment 
and he's a man of joy. And I think our students need to see him as a role model. Uh, I think he needs to he- see them as a great valedictory for all that he's done. We're also presenting honorary degrees to an extraordinary woman philanthropist, Dorothy Shackney, who's been involved with us in so many ways. And frankly, she's among those people who just looks at our students and falls in love. Um, and there's a wonderful alum from Yeshiva College in Wurzweiler named Josh Gortler. He came over from Siberia post-Holocaust. Uh, he, I think Hayas landed his family somewhere in Arizona. Uh, their rabbi said that their young boy had to uh, get an education. They gave him $20 and a bus ticket, having no idea how far it was, to come to Yeshiva <laughs> University High School, which provided him with a full scholarship and a full community. And he went through our high school, the college, Wurzweiler, became a social worker, uh, uh, dealt with many people in need, and then went out to Seattle, where he was a historic um, leader building a senior citizen service and center of note. And in point of fact, when he retired, his community, as a gift, said that they wanted to make a major donation to the charity of his choice. And he chose YU for scholarships. And that's worthy of, of that kind of recognition. No and then finally, we're giving a, a, a wonderful um, farewell to his post as provost, to Dr. Mort Lowengrub, who's provi- presided over the academic enterprise for 15 years. There you have it. Nice, distinguished lineup. And, six, and 630 extraordinary young men and women who are going to shape the world. Yeah, there's some uh, amazing potential in that room next week, I'll tell you that much. Talk about, talk about the leaders of tomorrow. Unbelievable. And, and by the way, I've had, I've had my biological children, but I have, think we all have to think that they're all our children, Nachum. No question about it. It's going to be quite a celebration. A week from today uh, for Yeshiva College, uh, Sims and Stern. Today, the Wurzweiler School of Social Work in a season filled with great graduation ceremonies for so many great Yeshiva University schools. Uh, Mr. President, as I always say, you have an open door here. Uh, I know you're on a tight schedule for the graduation, but I thank you for getting here, even though it no, was I'm, a little strange I'm, <laughs> how you finally got here I hope this it wasn't a, a, a task for your listeners. I hope that they, it, it, it came through well. Um, I, I, let, me, let me add one thing, sure. if, you have a, if you have a moment. Yeah, I got some. the time. Sure. Um, one of the challenges of looking at the technology is to say, how do we view technology? I mean, when you look in the Torah, uh, I think there are two perfect examples of technology. One is when man learned to work together and to create things. Uh, they built a Tower of Babel, and they, they sought to challenge God. And the punishment for that was that they couldn't speak to each other. Their languages were scattered. Right. Uh, the, other, the other example of technology is the tabernacle in the desert, the Mishkan. We're under Betzalel's leadership. What was fashioned was a, a work of great beauty that elevated the human and brought God into our midst. The challenge for us is to use this technology, not curse the darkness, but gather the light and to see how we do that. And I think the prime example of that, frankly, is the Havrusa model. I mean, I've had leaders of the Catholic Church and other universities come to see how we learn Torah. And the truth is that very notion that you can't do it on some levels, without being face-to-face. They actually observed your Beit Midrash. Oh, I can send you, <laughs> you letters. Were, you were there as they uh, saw they, it. <laughs> they observed it with me, and in fact, they asked questions. The greatest story was when the Cardinal Vantois, who's the Archbishop of Paris, uh, was uh, standing around the table of uh, Rev. David Hershashir, and I asked all the students what careers they were going into, and the Cardinal Vantois uh, looked at one of the boys who was pre-med, and he said, I don't understand. He said, you're in a very rigorous curriculum to prepare for medical school and to be a doctor, 
and yet you spend four hours a day here studying Talmud. Yeah. Why? Now, I got a little nervous saying, oh, my gosh. He what's wasn't going to say. The kid looked at him, smiled, and said, oh, because this is my life. So, I mean, the challenge is to say this Chavrusa model of having text, arguing together, preparing together, and then have, uh, having rabbinic guides at your at your fingertips, but then also being able to learn from them is a model where we can insert technology into it as well in terms of blended learning. I will say this. You asked me about sure. online universities. Right. A key element of an educational process is that chevruta, is that closeness between student and teacher and between student and student. You can achieve some of that online, but the notion of community the notion of lifelong friends, the notion of research with faculty right, is not something that we can walk away from because that's the fabric of our civilization. 100%. Very important message, and I hope the next generation understands that it's a very serious matter. Uh, people my age, I think, get what you're saying. I hope the younger people get it. It's all I could say. I'm sure they do, but they need they need to to be encouraged to take the right. lead in it. No question about it. Mazel tov again. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you, Nachum, always, and thank you for the service that you do to our people. I appreciate that. The president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel. Mazel tov to all the graduates a week from today. And I'm happy to report the state of the university, thank God, is as strong as ever. And I continue to... Uh, uh, remind everybody how important Yeshiva University is uh, to our entire Jewish world. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.